This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Great Lakes Kids Apparel. That's right. Great Lakes Kids Apparel offers affordable, wearable, and playable clothes for your little one to enjoy. Plus, Great Lakes Kids Apparel is a mom-owned business, so you know your kids will love these clothes. And Great Lakes Kids Apparel offers fast, free shipping on orders over $50, not to mention amazing customer service. So head over to GreatLakesKidsApparel.com or click the link in the show description and use promo code LOCKS to get 20% off your first order today. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm kind of out of breath right now. I just ran up and down the stairs real quick, but I'm doing good. How are you? Kind of out of shape, I guess. I'm good. I'm out of breath because I'm awake. So... <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm saying nothing too exciting is happening this week. Yeah, same here. Not a lot going on. I had some time off on Monday and Tuesday for Martin Luther King Day. So, you know, because of the holiday, got to schedule a little bit of time off. So it's been nice just relaxing and hanging out. I'm happy to be here and recording another episode. Yeah, well, I don't have much time tonight. (laughs) I don't have a lot of time either. So I think we should just jump on into it. This week is your case. What do you got for us for a short on time episode? Well, this case might be known to most of our listeners, or probably a few of them. I don't recall remembering or hearing about this, but kind of when it came out back in 2010, I was real deep into the nursing school books. And so my job was just to go to college, get in out of nursing school, and make good grades. So I didn't really, I guess, watch too much television. But this is actually a case that happened in college of Yardley Love. Have you ever heard of her? She was a UVA lacrosse player. I have not, but I also don't follow a lot of lacrosse, so I don't know if maybe that's why I haven't heard of it, but definitely sounds interesting. 
And I think it's on theme with last week, our short on time episode where we covered the University of Idaho murder. So, you know, kind of seems to be a running theme here. So I'm excited to get into it. I didn't even think about that whenever I was doing my research on this case, but it kind of caught my attention. Awesome. Well, I am down to get into it. What do you got for us? Yardley Love was born July 17, 1987 in Baltimore, Maryland. She had an older sister, Lexi, who she was very close with. Her parents, John and Sharon, provided a loving and caring household. Sadly, her dad, John, was diagnosed with terminal cancer and passed away when Yardley was a freshman in high school. This made the bond between Sharon, Lexi, and Yardley even stronger. Yardley was determined to follow in her father's footsteps and go to Charlottesville to attend the University of Virginia. She was recruited to play D1 women's lacrosse. Yardley's freshman year, she was in the Zeta sorority, playing lacrosse, and really settling into college life. She was studying political science with a minor in Spanish, later planning for law school. Her friends described her as being funny, outgoing, kind, and very athletic. She began dating and meeting new people. The women's and men's lacrosse teams were very close at UVA, and she met a fellow men's lacrosse player named George Hughley. She and George were friends before they began dating each other in sophomore year. The pair had a lot in common. The two both went to private schools, played sports growing up, and both were recruited to play lacrosse at UVA. The couple broke up two years after dating, but continued to spend time around each other as the lacrosse teams were very close. Yardley and George had a rocky on-and-off-again relationship. George would turn violent while drinking at parties, once hitting his lacrosse teammate who walked Yardley home one night, another when he pinned Yardley down at a party, and the most recent being at the end of April when he and Yardley got into an argument, causing her to physically defend herself. Friends encouraged her to get a restraining order against George, but she didn't. Yardley was just preparing for her next chapter in life and only had about three weeks until she was moving to New York for graduate school. On May 2, 2010, Yardley went out drinking with her roommate, celebrating some of their final moments at UVA before graduation. Her roommate wanted to continue to go out, and Yardley decided to leave and walk home alone. In the early hours of May 3rd, her roommate came home from the night of partying. She went to Yardley's room when she got home, and she found her covered in blood laying in her bed. She called 911 at about 2.15 in the morning. The dispatcher initially believed that the call was for a college student who had passed out from drinking too much. When EMS arrived, they performed CPR, but it was too late. Yardley was dead. The officers on the scene saw that she had obvious injuries to the right side of her face. Her bedroom was now officially a crime scene. Detectives began investigating and noticed her apartment was not in disarray. There was no evidence of a struggle outside of Yardley's room, but there was a hole in her bedroom door. At the foot of her bed, there was a small pool of blood on the carpet. It was clear to detectives that whoever did this was with her in the bedroom. They noticed her laptop and cell phone were missing, and they thought that this was odd, given that a college student wouldn't be far from either. This made police believe that Yardley was a victim of a robbery gone wrong. Now CSI became involved looking for fingerprints and any DNA left behind. Police needed to find out more about Yardley's life, as there was no weapons or any leads at this point. They interviewed Yardley's downstairs neighbor, who recalls saying she saw someone walk up the stairs towards Yardley's door. She also remembers hearing a very loud crashing sound, and at one point she saw a tall white male wearing a white t-shirt and blue shorts leave the complex. Detectives needed to now find out who this young male was. After interviewing friends, police found out about George Hughley, Yardley's ex-boyfriend. Detectives also wanted to know more about the last time Yardley was seen alive. They visited the bar she had been at the night of her death and reviewed the security footage. The video showed George and Yardley hug briefly and then part ways. George was described by classmates as being jealous, possessive, and often drinking too much to the point of blacking out. 
Multiple stories continue to be told of George's abusive behavior towards teammates in Yardley. Police found a handwritten letter from George in Yardley's room, and it was ultimately an apology for his physically abusive behavior while being too intoxicated. He pleaded that he would never behave in that manner again and that he was truly sorry. Now, police needed to interview George. Detectives arrived at Hewley's house stating they needed to discuss a recent assault. He went down to the police department without hesitation. Police began questioning George about what he had done on the day of May 2nd. He started the day playing golf, ate dinner with his family, went home to have a few beers before going to Boylan Heights, a local bar in the area. He then stated, I went over to talk to Yardley. Police now began asking questions about Yardley. Remember, they did not mention anything to him about her, just that they were investigating an assault. Hughley told detectives that she was his former girlfriend. He said that he went to talk to her and she supposedly freaked out about something that happened a few days prior. He continued to tell police he was just trying to talk to her and she kept getting defensive. He said that a few days prior, she went to his apartment and became physically aggressive towards him and his roommates had to intervene. He continued to make it seem that he wanted to have a calm conversation with her and that she was just on the defense, hitting her head against the bed. He told police it was not a good conversation. He said she continued to hit her head against the wall and that he had to grab her and shake her to tell her to stop. He claimed he never struck her or hit her in the head. He described her as being like a fish out of water and telling him to get away. He said that when he left her house, she was in her bed with her nose bleeding. Then he changed his story to say that he left her on the floor or maybe by the desk. His story continued to not add up. Police now had motive to search his home. From there, they took two Apple computers, one belonging to Yardley, a spiral notebook, two white socks, two rugs, and a lacrosse t-shirt with a red stain on it. He told police that he did kick in her door amidst her hitting her head against the wall. Police took into account all the prior domestic stories about he and Yardley and other teammates, the threatening emails and text messages they came across that George had sent to Yardley after their final breakup, and the multiple other attacks he had towards Yardley. He was arrested for first-degree murder the day after killing his ex-girlfriend and fellow lacrosse player Yardley Love. He was held in the Charlottesville Regional Jail without bond. Later, his charges would be bumped up to felony murder, robbery of a residence, burglary, entering a house with intent to commit a felony, and grand larceny. His trial started on February 6, 2012, and on February 22, he was found guilty of second-degree murder and grand larceny. He was sentenced to 23 years in prison for second-degree murder. He's currently imprisoned at a prison work camp outside of Richmond, Virginia. He's actually set to be released in October of 2030. Later in 2012, Sharon Love, Yardley's mother, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against George. She was asking for $29 million in compensatory damages and $1 million in punitive damages. On May 1, 2012, she then filed a $29 million wrongful death lawsuit against the UVA men and women's lacrosse coaching staff alleging gross negligence on their part. Sharon was ultimately awarded $15 million in damages for the wrongful death of her daughter, Yardley Love. That is crazy. That's a crazy story. Yeah. I know we talk about this a lot, but it just seems like it's these young kids in these heated relationships. You know what I mean? And like, sounds like George had a real mean streak in him, you know, especially when he was drinking. And it's just so sad to see kids like this get caught up in these toxic relationships to the point where, you know, now Yardley Love is dead. George is in prison and it's all over a college relationship. And it makes me wonder, like, what other things are going on with George? You don't just drink too much and then, you know, slap somebody around or something like that. Like, there's an underlying issue there. 
And I'm leaving the store just kind of being like, man, I wonder like what skeletons were in his closet or like what was lurking underneath the surface that this was part of his personality or like what had happened to him that caused him to be like that, you know? I'm sure that we could go through all the details of all the court documents and everything, but you know, this was just my short on time episode. So I just kind of got the story out there. Yeah, definitely. And these are specifically for like these high level looks at these cases. So I completely get that. It's just as you were going through, I was like, something's not right with this guy. You know what I mean? And then to like voluntarily give that information to the police, you'll be like, oh yeah, I was just at her house and I may have left her on the bed or like on her desk or on the floor. Like, it's just sad to hear these stories about these kids who lose their lives and throw their lives away over these relationships where if they just had the ability to deal with these breakups and process things through in a healthy way in like 10 years, they'd be like, oh, thank God that I'm not with that person anymore. In one of my show notes, there is an hour-long interview from him at the station with detectives, with them talking to him, and it almost sounds as if he's still intoxicated. So they went out the night of May 2nd, May 3rd at 2 a.m. is when 911 was called by the roommate. May 3rd, later in the morning, is when they're going to George's house and bringing him down to the station. So all this happened so quickly. And so he almost still sounds intoxicated. And then he brings up Yardley. Like, they didn't even say anything about it. They start asking questions about it. Um, But on the show notes, there will be that hour-long YouTube interview if people are more interested to hearing the whole story. Well, I am definitely going to have to check that out. This is something I think I want to know a little bit more about, and I'm sure our listeners do too. But, again, this is a short-on-time episode. We don't have a lot of time. If we're talking deadbolt test, where is this falling for you, Olivia? Well, I'm a single mother of three fur babies, so it's not, my boyfriend's not coming after me, but I'd give it about a six. You know, I think it's always scary when the person you love and care about at one point is the person who's ultimately taking away your life. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm going to put this at about a five. I'm not going to be checking my locks tonight because I don't have any ex-girlfriends that I've like royally pissed off or have any kind of like physical altercations with. But I'm still putting it at a five just because of the fact that, you know, it is scary to think, you know, that essentially these were kids, you know, even though they're in college and they're in their 20s, they're still essentially children, right? Like when you're 25, you may think you know everything, but I can tell you as someone who is about to be 38, I didn't know anything at 25. So just to think that these kids' lives were ruined. It's just sad. And I will say as a parent, that's the one thing that I really hope to instill in my child is like, know what a healthy relationship is, know how you deserve to be treated so that you can avoid these kind of relationships. Yeah. And it's sad because, you know, our frontal lobes aren't fully developed then. And then putting alcohol and extreme intoxication under that, and then probably just the passion, just because you feel like this is the one, this is going to be the person. I mean, we all had that relationship when we were younger and it's just sad. Like, Maybe if he didn't drink, if he realized like, oh, I shouldn't be drinking alcohol, like bad things happened. But there has to be some sort of underlying issue or trauma that this guy had suffered because you just don't go over to talk to your girlfriend and kill her for letting a teammate walk her home. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's some underlying like anger issues or maybe like some mental health issues and jealousy and things of that nature that, you know, probably should have been addressed well before this happened. Well, that is where we fall on this week's deadbolt test. Olivia is putting this at a six. I'm coming in at a five, but we want to know where does the murder of Yardley Love fall on your deadbolt test? 
You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod, Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, do yourself a favor. Come hang out with us. We're having fun in there every single day, interacting, just hanging out with one another, getting to know each other. It's absolutely wonderful. Also, if you are interested in supporting Check the Locks, helping us keep the lights on, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. You can sign up. We got a bunch of different tiers. We got stickers. We got coffee mugs. We got exclusive t-shirts, all stuff that you can only get by supporting us through Patreon. So if you are in the position to be able to do that, we truly appreciate it. And if you cannot financially support the show, just listening and sharing what we do means just as much, if not more. So thank you for hanging out with us every Monday and Wednesday. Thank you for letting your friends and family know about what we're doing. It truly means the world to us. That is all that we have for this week's episode of True Crime for the Short on Time. Please subscribe to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We will see you next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week.